everyone to our Connecticon on the Age of Hustle, part two. Uh, this conversation is part of the Connected People channel in Connectly, which is curated by Islet Barron and Tim McDonald, who's with us today. We are a community that believes in enabling conversations, bridging connections, and hosting trusting spaces for communities to connect. We host regular conversations in our connected channels, which are connected people, connected organizations, and connected economies, and we'd love to have you join us. You can find out more at www.connectlay.com. My name is Jillian Riley. I'm the founder of Antakara, and I'm going to be your host tonight. I'm really excited to be here for this second part of what was a really wonderful conversation on the age of hustle. Um, last time we explored kind of the, the current realities of our hustle economy, good, bad, and otherwise, the ways in which it's kind of stretching us uh, to become sort of uh, sometimes better versions of ourselves, sometimes the version of ourselves we think the world wants to or needs to consume, um, and some of the, the sort of downsides of it. Um, the conversation was so good and so juicy that we wanted to spend more time on the topic and go further and in, deeper into it. And this time to really kind of explore some of the identity issues around hustle when we're so busy um, inventing and reinventing ourselves, when we feel this opportunity and challenge to kind of continually strive. Um, what are the implications of that on our personal identities and particularly when so much of that hustle takes place in a digital space, in a social media space. Um, we touched on some of that in the last conversation and I'm really looking forward to kind of diving deeper into that now. Um, I'd like to welcome each of our speakers who's here tonight, Olivia Parr-Rudd, Tim McDonald, and Jonas Koffler. Um, we're really excited to have you back. Um, I'd love for, to just start by having each of you introduce yourselves Tell us uh, a little bit more about yourself. And because some of our, our uh, attendees weren't with us last time, maybe if you could just start us out with your own take on what hustle is, um, your definition, if you will, of what hustle is and what it means to you within your own life and within your own professional and personal context. Um, let me start with you, Olivia. Tell us a little more about yourself and give us your take on hustle. Well, thank you again for inviting me and hosting this. And I am, my background is as a data scientist. And I think it's really, the word hustle just kind of incorporates everything I saw happening, which was that the data and the technology I worked with was creating this speed within businesses to have to be more adaptable and change that markets were changing more quickly and everybody's experiencing having to hustle to keep up with the ever-evolving global economic landscape. And what I noticed throughout the years was that the companies that did the best were the ones that really nurtured their human capital. And it kind of makes sense that if we can create agility among our people, we're gonna be more successful. And that requires us to be good communicators and create trust and et cetera. And so I've now renamed myself as the corporate love ambassador. And I take love <laughs> defined as um, like caring and compassion because I've actually done research and it proves that companies that show caring and compassion and really care about their employees actually make more money, maybe not in one quarter, but over about a year and greater, the results are much, much better. So I feel like that's where hustle may be helping evolve us and, and treat people better in business, um, which has to be a good thing eventually. So that's kind of well, how I see So that's really interesting. Is the hustle economy sort of evolving our, our sort of corporate cultures to be to necessarily have to be more caring and compassionate to enable people to continue to, as you described, adapt and respond to the quickly evolving global economy and, and business landscape. That's, that's interesting. Look forward to coming back to that. Tim, what's your, tell us a little more about yourself and your own take on hustle. Yeah, well, um, 
naturally, uh, I think a community builder um, by just nature. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of led me into doing a lot of speaking, a lot of workshops. And one of the points that resonated has brought me into starting to write a book about creating a healthy relationship with fear. So I have a book that's going to be published this April. Um, and just in the beginning stages of exploring what that means and getting stories about that. And to me, I really think, um, you know, hustle has always kind of been a negative term for me because I think too many people buy into it. And, you know, that's why, you know, I was so excited when Jonas was able to join us last time. And I, cause he's the one who introduced me through his book of a different way, different definition of looking at hustle. And I just wish that more people, especially, and I, I gotta be very careful here because I've talked with people all over the world and people have different definitions of this and different viewpoints on it than I think most of us do in the States. And what I mean by that is I don't think they feel or sense what we, most of us do here in the U.S. as this hustle at all cost. You know, the hustle to just achieve, achieve, achieve without experiencing. And that's what I, I, I view hustle, at least as far as I've been exposed to it. And I've been changed in how I look at it. So I'm hoping others can be too. <laughs> okay. So your, your take on it, as you described, was kind of a negative, relentless striving, keeping up kind of oh, a sense of sort of constantly striving and never quite arriving at all costs, as but, you described it. Yeah, I think without I mean, I think even a better way to describe it is without letting yourself fully experience what you're going through so that you can learn from that moment. And and that's the cost, I think, that most of us give up when we start applying the different common definition of hustle, which is that at all costs and just keep moving and pushing and going forward. Right. Okay. So Jonas, why don't you jump in? Because you wrote the book on hustle, literally, and you have you can tell us more about that and perhaps uh, build on on Tim's uh, introduction with your kind of counterpoint to that or your where you come into that uh, that definition of hustle. Sure, happy to do so, uh, Jillian. I want to thank you for uh, hosting us and and inviting us together to contribute uh, today on what I think is. I have obviously a very relevant topic and something that's not going away anytime soon, um, be it due to economic pressure, be it due to creative pressures or um, the quest for finding out who we really are ultimately. Um, and that's what hustle uh, is really about for me personally. Uh, but I will tell you that having written the book and having a background as a linguist among other pursuits in my uh, uh, former years, <laughs> um, the basic idea is this, that since the inception in the human language hustle, uh, it's, since its inception rather, it's carried a very distinct meaning and a distinct energy. Uh, and again, it's very subjective. The original term is derived from the old Middle Dutch um, from the roughly the, the mid 1600s. And the word was hutselen, which literally means to shake or to shake things up, the verb. Uh, and then the verb, the, the word has sort of um, evolved from that into kind of the negative context of, you know, to con or to steal, and then into the inspirational catch-all, uh, to make something happen, to push forward in spite of the odds in front of you or the obstacles that you're dealing with. Uh, but my co-authors and I thought, well, maybe there's a more operative definition, and we could, uh, we could define it along the lines of um, uh, decisive movement toward a goal however indirect, by which the motion itself manufactures luck, surfaces hidden opportunities, and charges our lives with more money, meaning, <clears throat> and momentum. So the movement idea for me is what hustle really speaks to, whether we think of it as individuals in pursuit of something we love, as Olivia might, uh, might describe, or companies for that matter, pursuing that which gives our employees and our customers more meaning um, and enrichment in lives and nurtures our lives in some way, um, or as Tim might speak to it as a community building, something that moves people together, a movement or an architecture of um, bringing out the best in people so that we can impact the world positively. All of those things are part of this, this notion. Um, so I hope that's helpful. Yeah, I mean, you describe it as a, an almost intentional 
choice, an intentional set of actions, which for me, which I get, and, and that for me is the counterpoint to Tim or Olivia's sort of this, this uh, trying to keep up. Um, you know, there's, there, it's very different when you make a decision, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna, we're going, let's go, which I think was what you described as the sort of slightly, uh, the previous definition of that sort of, I'm working towards something that I'm passionate about, which is quite different from, I, I gotta keep up or I'm gonna die. Well, that's an important point because there are economics tied to this. Um, I think to have the luxury to push yourself forward is one thing. To survive, to have to survive, and many people are operating at the level um, of being in, deep in debt and um, depressed and, and stuck in jobs that they hate, but having no chance, choice rather, because they have to support a family or, or you know, pay off their student loans or whatever the situation might be. So, you know, it, my, my sort of wisdom there would be like, it is a luxury uh, on the one hand to be able to hustle. It really is to be able to have agency and, and put yourself in a position where you can succeed. Um, the idea is to move from a situation where you're, you're struggling every day and you're hating life into one where you feel more empowered and, and more inspired every day and you feel charged with some degree of energy and that you're part of something bigger. Um, it, right. it's, I think it's getting out of that low level thinking that I have to run through this wall um, and grab as much cash as possible and into something where I'm actually contributing something greater and building a legacy around the actions that I choose to take and the agency that I'm giving myself and others. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious. I'm kind of curious though, because I, I'm hearing what both of you are saying. And the interesting thing to me is I've been exposed to people who I think had that joy, that creation of being themselves and then they got submersed into this world of hustle and it brought them into a darker deeper place instead of a more enriching place and i'm well, curious I, if if you well, see it going the opposite direction it, you know that you just described yeah I, I i would just start off by saying uh i think that work can become very addictive um that the pursuit of uh, whether it's money or meaning or momentum, all three of those can actually be quite addictive and uh, create uh, either a, a vicious uh, circle or a virtuous circle, depending on what you're pursuing, Tim, right? And I, so, you know, it, it can't be simply the pursuit of money. It can't be simply the pursuit of meaning and it can't be simply the pursuit of momentum. There has to be um, a balance of those things. And sometimes we get out of balance. And I think that's what you're speaking to well, could it and be? And I think. It's, sorry, go ahead, Olivia. Yeah, I was thinking, listening to this, um, that maybe hustle, if it's driven from within, like with agency, it has a positive energy. We get excited about it. And if it's, when I think back about, you know, messages from my childhood, like we're late, you better hustle right? That's from outside. So that doesn't feel good. So it just might, maybe it's like empowered hustle. And um, I was thinking about this last night in, in terms of having so many options of what to do with my time and almost feeling like, oh, I have to keep hustling in order to make what, what I want to happen, happen. And then it's, when do I choose to sort of retreat and maybe uh, hustle? I don't know if it'd be like hustle for my own health or just retreat from that hustle energy to, to re-nourish and then go into it with agency and power and have those uh, things happen that I'm hoping will happen. Yeah, well, as you described the word in and of itself and Jonas, you referenced it, I mean, there's, a, there's an energy, there's a, there's a you know, and that that's inherent in the term as you say we all can remember being told to hustle along and there's just so long that you can uh hustle right i mean we're we're not we're not wired to uh to keep hustling so is is some of the key to that inside out rather than outside in empowered hustle that you're describing um olivia kind of being able to manage the pace, being able to know the self-care, the compassion that you've described for self as much as for others. Is that, um, you know, is that part of the, the key to it being an act of agency and not an act of survival? 
Jonas, you shared a story the last time of a very personal story of hustle, kind of uh, the effects of hustle when you're not caring for self. Uh, you know, what do, what do we have to do as individuals who all of us, I think, in our own way, have our own take on this to to nurture a self that is capable of managing a lifetime hustle. So you spoke to energy uh, previously, Jillian, and I think that's fundamentally where the answer uh, resides. The idea that we can go to the point of exhaustion every day for weeks and months and years on end is absolutely absurd, and it defeats the purpose of being alive. That's not the point of being here, right? Um, the point of being here is to to find other people, to love other people, to to treat yourself with dignity and respect, and the same for others, and so forth. And right, you know, hopefully create something meaningful. And at the end, when you were reflecting on life, um, it's about the richness of those relationships. I think more than anything else, that's my perspective. But the to to the question of self care, uh, I can speak to it personally. I can talk to the data personally. That means uh, making sure that I have quality family time every day. Um, with my, my newborn daughter and my wife and my family and friends. Uh, it's important that I have quality sleep every night. It's not going to be perfect. I, <laughs> it's not my forte. You know, I don't know how all of you are in that regard, but certainly aiming for that seven-hour sweet spot is ideal. Uh, I think nurturing and nourishing ourselves with the best possible food, meaning we're cooking and preparing our own food, right, most of the time if, if we can. Um, that's ideal and being, again, active um, sort of in that choice. Uh, and then moving, like physically moving every day. I probably walk on average uh, at minimum three miles a day, at minimum. Uh, that means doing yoga. That means taking care of ourselves and treating ourselves as a temple. So all of those things are important. And for those who aren't doing it, eventually we'll catch up. Uh, it certainly did with me, as you all know, that, you know, I had a stroke in my 20s. Um, I've had other issues besides that because, you know, of cortisol levels and stress levels and so forth. I'm not treating myself um, the way that I should be treated. And so, you know, my recommendation is that um, in this regard, you have to put yourself first. And that means that uh, taking care of yourself is paramount. No one else is going to do it for you. So for those who are tuning in, um, if you haven't, start constructing a schedule and literally blocking in time until these things become habits, whether it's yoga or better sleep or better choice of diet or family time, creative time, whatever you need so that you have that some semblance of what, what might be balanced, right? Um, and then also accept that you're not perfect and you're going to slip up and you're going to have challenges where some weeks you're going to be working much more than you probably should. But that's just the reality of, of life today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's so <laughs> it's so interesting to listen to you describe things that are pretty basic, right? <laughs> pretty basic human care. These are not yeah. next level kind of self help techniques. These are these are being, uh, you know, take looking after a human. Um, and yet, in our world of keeping up, they can fall aside quickly. Um, you know, Olivia, you talk about love. Uh, Tim, you use the word joy. Love and joy, certainly love, is not a word that comes up much in the hustle culture, is it? Where it's, there's a certain swagger to hustle. There's a certain kind of, you know, dominance and uh, control that, at least to my mind, sort of are woven into that, that word. Olivia, what uh, kind of building on this issue of self-care and care for others, what's the role of love in, in a world where we're all hustling, either to survive or to advance? What, what do we need to, to do in terms of loving ourselves and loving each other in order to, to thrive in this, in this environment? Yeah, I, I think we absolutely have to love ourselves first. I don't think we can even have the capacity to love others and be caring for others if we don't love ourselves. And, and I was mentioning research, so I'll do a shameless plug for my book, Love at Work, which is where I detail this research about how a loving culture makes companies more profitable. I also go into my personal journey because I was kind of in this pressure cooker of the corporate world, having to work 
hard because I had a sick husband and I was the breadwinner and all the own trauma I went through. So I was hustling, but I wasn't taking care of myself. And in 99, I got breast cancer from the stress. And that was the one thing I was eating really well. I was thought I was doing everything right. And then I got breast cancer and I went, oh my gosh, I'm taking care of everyone else and I'm not taking care of myself. I went into this deep process of healing my abandonment issues and all of that and realized that I couldn't really love others and put, now I feel like I wanna step into service in this point of my life to helping others. And I do think it all comes from love. Um, and people say, oh, they'll see somebody who's very self-centered and oh, that person loves themselves too much. In most cases, those people have the least self-love, the ones that seem to need a lot of attention. I think when we truly love ourselves, we know we're all interconnected and we can be generous to others. And so I feel like we have that base of self-love will help us temper how much time we put into that hustle energy. <laughs> and it's funny, I was thinking when you were talking about it that I, I chose the title self-love ambassador. I could be like the self-love hustler <laughs> in a way to try to take the yin and the yang. But it really does, I feel, come down to ha having hustling with a loving energy could be quite powerful. Um, and I, I think that would be fun to play with. It's just a, a way of thinking about yeah. it. That's awesome because what? that kind of brings Jonas's sort of definition of it uh, into play of, of a, a creative act, um, a community act, and not just an individual dominance act. You know, Jonas, you've detailed some, some really good and very achievable practices and habits. Um, and I think some of what you're hinting at, Olivia, is sort of a mindset um, as much as a, a set of habits. Um, do you guys, that, that idea of the sort of mindset with which one approaches the hustle, um, the loving mindset, the joyful mindset, I mean, is there joy in this hustle? And if so, what's the sort of mindset that we need to foster and encourage that enables us to cultivate that joy whilst we're still moving forward towards whatever it is that we're pursuing? Um, yeah, I'll take this. So, so the, you know, in the book we lay out um, the three unseen laws of hustle. And I think in response to your question, the first one is probably most appropriate, which is it starts in the heart. And all of this energy starts here, not in the head. So many of us operate, you know, 99% of our space in this thing, but the container of love is the heart, right? And the heart pumps blood and, and, and oxygen and so forth through the rest of our body. And, and we're, we have to you know, be mindful of that. We can feel the rhythm every moment if we tune in. Um, that's why we meditate, right? Is to reconnect with our bodies um, and to get out of our heads. And so the first unseen law of hustle is do something that moves you. Well, what does that mean? That means choosing something that gives you a degree of energy and confidence and curiosity and feeds your soul at the heart level, right? That's what it's about. And if you're not starting at that very, again, that base simple level, honoring myself, honoring that which, which drives me, which, which gives me some degree of energy and curiosity and uh, an emotional charge, right? Uh, beyond the intellectual, that's really important. And I think that's like fundamentally the whole notion of play and hustle, right? Bringing us back to our, our, our childhood selves where we had these incredible dreams and these wild imaginations and more vivid and so forth in our approach in life. It's getting back to that. The first sense law of hustle is doing something that moves you. And that does speak to play. And I think play is all about love and nurturing that child within. Um, because if we cut that off, then we're we're, it's going to, to um, surface in other ways that I think um, might impact us adversely. And uh, it, whether it's a stress reaction, and we know, as Olivia was speaking to you, 75% of emergency room visits are, are caused by what? They're caused by stress, right? There's a real problem in our country with that. And, and so it's like not moving in that direction, but checking in with ourselves, like, is this something that 
I want to continue pursuing because I feel charged by it. By ener- it gives me energy. Um, and if not, if our heart's not in it, we need to get the hell out of it. It's that simple, right? Make a plan and get out of it and choose something else. Tim, are you back with us? No. I think so. I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to finish? We were kind of talking about the mindset w- with which we can approach um, hustle to make it that empowered. May you use the word joy in your opener. Sort of how, how does this become a joyful journey and not a, a stressful uh, sort of gradual deterioration of our own sense of self? Yeah, well, I think, you know, to me, it's it's become a little bit about what Jonas talked about, the self-love, right? It What's important to us because we're exposed to what everybody else thinks about us, what others are telling us we should be, how we should do things. And I think when we start really appreciating ourselves and experiencing the moments that we're in, it can really bring us that joy. And when we are able to do that truly, and I'm not overusing this word, when we can do it truly and authentically for ourselves, it allows us to be able to encourage and inspire others to be this way. And when we can start finding those others that we can start bringing into the fold, instead of having to chase them down or convince them to come into our communities, that's when we can start co-creating something that's greater than ourselves and brings us the greatest joy that we can. And, and it's not always that, you know, this is my whole thing as a community builder. It's not that I need to be the center of the community. It's that I can bring other people together and bring this joy into their lives and then walk away from that and still have joy in my lives while they still have joy in their lives. And to me, that is like the greatest gift I think that we can give, but it all comes from starting with yourself and giving yourself joy and not letting those external um, you know, influences factor in on who you are as a person and who you wanna become. I think that's the most important thing that I've learned. It's really about being true to yourself and, and that's when you are able to start experiencing and bringing joy into your life and into other people's lives. I mean, I think we're all together on this. There's part of me that's saying, okay, if we walked in with this love message and this joy message to, you know, a WeWork in Manhattan or, you know, an office floor somewhere in LA, would people kind of look at you like, yeah, right, whatever. I got, I got targets to meet. I've got bills to pay. Do you, do you guys feel that there's a, a, an embrace of this or a growing embrace of this concept that, you know, it's heart led. It's about connecting to self first and foremost, that that's where the quality and the agency derive from, not some pursuit of an image or a goal or a persona that's externally sort of driven. Um, Or is it just us in our feel good communities that are talking about these concepts? Well, I can, to try to answer that since I'm in the corporate world a lot. I think it's, it depends for sure. And the companies that are younger and maybe more high tech companies would fall into that category, I think would be a lot more receptive and, and get it. And so it really depends on the culture and the leadership. I would say on the other end, there are older companies and I'll maybe like you could think of the, the big insurance companies that have been around forever, they're really struggling with change. And they have, I would say, a culture that if you went in and spoke this way, they would just tell you you're crazy. So it really depends. And I think it's getting better. I think it's moving in the right direction. I think that's because the younger people coming into business seem to be more conscious, I'll say. Um, if you look at some of the consciousness models, spiral dynamics, integral models and things, they want meaning in their work. I was talking to a large software company the other day that said that the people coming in and applying for jobs are asking the company, what do you do to make the world a better place? That didn't happen 30, 40 years ago that I knew of. So I think we're moving in the right direction and we're gonna see things evolve. But to find it would be, in my opinion, in small startups and maybe tech companies. 
Jonas, is your message being received by, or Tim, are these messages being received by sort of ecosystems that are in some ways the, the drivers or the enablers of the hustle? From my standpoint, absolutely. So if we, you know, to, to pick up on, uh, on what Olivia was speaking to, clearly the younger, the, the new upstart companies are baking in to their missions and their values and their vision, this idea of making an impact. Uh, especially, you know, they're you know, like the B Corps, if you will, uh, the conscious companies. There's that whole layer of um, how do we better integrate the humanity side and the, the contribution side to what we're doing on the profitability side. Those things have to go hand in hand in lockstep. It doesn't work otherwise, right? What's our future? Um, and so you can't, <laughs> you, you can't move forward with a model that's... Um, so antiquated as to put humanity second. It just doesn't work. People aren't going to be attracted to the company. We have to think more about empowerment. And, and so certainly the, the love layer is a piece, is a big piece of that. Um, on the at the individuals from, you know, sort of independent professionals, freelancers, uh, consultants, and then, you know, startups or, or entrepreneurs, um, you know, I think this is a big piece of it as well. And I think the, the people are, are drawn to there is an attractive or magnetism uh, to those who are sp speaking this message. Why? Well, why is that? Because it, it's reconnecting us, again, with the, at the heart level with this idea that uh, we can grow in a positive direction by being honest and connected and dialed into um, that which is truly meaningful and important for us all, which is uh, health and happiness and love. And um, if we can create companies that succeed in valuing those things, Imagine what the world can be like. Mm. Yeah, and you know, it, it's, it's interesting because um, I, I believe it was Savannah Peterson said this on one of our other sessions. Um, you got to bring woo-woo in through the back door. And, um, <laughs> and it's, you know, when I think about that, though, and I put that into real terms, right? It's when I travel internationally and I don't speak a language, I need to find another way outside of my words to communicate with the other person. And when we go into organizations that are stuck in, in this traditional old way of thinking, we can't go in with the full sense of, you know, here's what we believe, here's what we, we are about. We need to put it in terms that they can understand so that then we can introduce those thoughts into the, into the company. And that's, not easy to do and not everybody's comfortable doing this i'm not comfortable doing it i don't like going in and having the big challenge of trying to change a a big organization into thinking differently that's not my i like doing things quick i like going through the motions i like you know getting out and being part of the strategy to help it help it get started but it would drive me nuts if i was in one and just had to do this over and over and over but there are people that are love that and get their joy and 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 in, and really get off on doing that that's not me but there are people that can do that and it's okay for us to be that way but but that's what it takes is it's it's about us having to build the bridge to allow other people to come over. We can't push them over the edge. We can't convince them to jump over. We can't convince them to build the bridge themselves. We need to build a bridge to help them come over if they want. And not everybody's ready and not everybody's gonna want to, and that's okay. All right. And so hustle to me by definition, well, perhaps not by definition, but by connotation has a very individualistic sense to it. It's, it's me, myself, and I getting forward. Now, Jonas, in your definition, you talked about communities hustling. You use that term. And I think some of what, what we're kind of pointing to is, is, is the value of community and the value of connection and human connection within this hustle culture. I think it's incredibly lonely. If we're talking about identity, we've got a lot of people working really hard to push a personal brand, to push uh, their own, their own uh, profile on media or otherwise. What are your experiences with communities of practice or communities of hustlers, Jonas? If you, if you included that in your definition, how do we come together um, to more 
you use the word authentically, Tim, I'll use it as well, to more authentically engage around the realities of this and, and the fact that it is leading many of us to feel lonely, alienated, isolated. Um, can we hustle together and, and what can we co-create when we do that? Sure. So co-creation and collaboration are the keys, right? So the, the idea that we're all, not, not all, but many of us are um, living or inhabiting these silos or islands off in the ocean somewhere is ridiculous. Fundamentally, we need each other. Why are we all here today? Because we have something to contribute and build together. We're co-creating this as we go. So, and, and collaboration is a really beautiful thing. We learn from each other. We challenge each other. We um, listen to each other and we're there for each other. And I think that whole supportive idea, as far as community goes, is, is the bedrock or foundation for um, how we succeed, quite honestly. You know, no one succeeds alone is, is the, the sort of the common sort of slogan. And I think it's absolutely true. I mean, look at my book, right? We're in 10 languages and have sold close to 150,000 copies, um, not because I did this alone, but because I had two fantastic co-authors, an amazing agent and literary agency behind us, an amazing publisher in, in Rodale and, and Penguin Random House and uh tons of supporters out there who are curious and want to tune into something i mean i get emails all the time hey can you can we do you have time to can you make time for me right it's essentially the question that we can ask ourselves and ask uh, ask of ourselves yes we should make time because it's you know it's it's in giving back that you actually uh experience a, as tim would say a sense of joy and purpose right it feeds us and so um to, to think that we can only do this alone and we should only do this alone is absolutely outrageous and ridiculous. Um, and of course, we'll only perpetuate the sense of alienation, isolation, depression, and all of the other, um, you know, the, the, the loneliness epidemic that we're all dealing with right now. It's terrible. So I would instead say, um, if you think about hustling, maybe the frame should be um, around the whole people layer, the opportunity of community, as we've talked about in the past, right? That's one of the things that we wrote about people make your hustle whole, right? People make your hustle whole. It's not about the individual, it's about working together. And so the team is a big piece of it, but you have to find people who are behind you, right? Who will give you what you need in terms of support, not transactionally, but from a value standpoint. So, um, you know, I, I would hope that uh, for those who are feeling isolated, that they're open to um, seeking out others and taking the risk of, of getting rejected. And that's okay too. That's part of it. Um, you have to, you know, kiss a lot, <laughs> a lot of toads before you find your, your prince or princess, so to speak, right? You have to ask the question, who out there can I ask for help and actually make the, the volitional choice to pursue that help and see where that leads. And that's the whole sort of mystery. And um, I think the, the, you know, the great joy of, of experience and experimentation and finding other people who can help you and vice versa. And I'd love to add to that, that I think because of complexity, there's just so much information out there that we can't know it all ourselves anymore. You know, 50, 60 years ago, the CEO might've been able to do the job of everybody in his company. That is not true anymore. They don't know technology, data, systems, all that stuff. And so I would argue that in that, that's a logical reason why we need each other. And the other thing that <clears throat> I think is being proven in physics, it's quantum physics, is that where, when there, there people gather together to do something, there is an extra energy created, some called the we space, that that's greater than the sum of the parts. And that's what we create when we come together. We have this unique perspective, ideas, energy, uh, beautiful things blossom out of it that we can't do by ourselves. I, I love that, Olivia. I, the, the whole notion of the we space, I just want, <laughs> want to compliment you on that. It's brilliant, um, but it's also very true. Uh, we create we spaces every day with our families. We create we spaces with our friends. Um, and so wouldn't it be natural to create we spaces as we hustle in community together? Of course it would. Yeah, and, and your, your comment around energy, um, and I think part of what it's leading me to think is how I do think one of the things that happens to people when they're in this hustling mode is that they almost become disassociated from their own, you described it, Tim, their own experience of it, their own awareness of 
that which is draining them, that which is drawing from them, and that which is energizing them. And it's the creative act that, that gives us energy. And, and we do that, as you've described, Jonas, with others. Um, and to kind of, of shape the, the definition of, I'm, I'm gonna run with this empowered hustle thing as a, a creative rather than you use the word transactional, because I do think one can get into that transactional mindset of, I have to get something done. You are a means to an end. Um, I'm here with you because I can get something out of you or I can move forward as opposed to uh, a, a discovery mindset of what can we do together? How do we move better? How do we move forward better, better together than we would um, if I just kind of took from you and moved on without you? It, is there a potential for, for uh, we talked in our last conversation around social media, um, in terms of this, this different approach, this kind of <laughs> other layer of hustle, empowered hustle, is, is social media an opportunity for us to create these communities and these connections? Um, because I, I think in our last conversation, we really spoke mainly to how it, it forces us into this almost inauthentic space than this, um, uh, the selling space as opposed to the connecting and the engaging space. Um, what are the opportunities for social media and our digital world to actually forge the kinds of, of uh, hustling communities that we're talking about? Well, I mean, as somebody who's been on social media, I can't believe now for 12 years, um, and really realized that I was a community builder through social media, I don't view it as, because I grew up with it, well, not grew up, but I grew up in, in the, the 12 years with it being a conversational connecting space. There wasn't the marketing, there wasn't the sales, there wasn't the messaging that is out there that there is today. And so what I see it as is these tools are still just tools. And social media doesn't have to be any one thing. It's all how we choose to use it. So if we choose to use social media as a tool to connect, to empower, to grow, to learn, to listen, all of a sudden it can become something that helps us build these communities. That's what I've, I've realized is how I was able to do that. But it's, it can also be used the other way if you choose to use it the other way. And so I'll, I can go on on this forever. So I'll, I'll let uh, Jonas or, or Olivia jump in. I'd love to just add to that. Um, I've been thinking a lot about, I'm hearing, you know, the divine feminine is arising in our, on our planet perhaps. And to me, that is the cooperative, the, the working together more, and it's not men versus women, it's really coming up through everyone. I mean, you're a great example, Tim. And uh, I was reaching out to someone on LinkedIn the other day, and, sh and she was kind of doing the same thing I'm doing around trying to build caring cultures in business. And she just wrote and said, why would you want to connect with someone like me? And I said, well, because I feel like if we work together, we can have a better impact. And it's really moving from the competitive to the cooperative, which speaks to this maybe divine feminine that's coming through. Um, and I think we can have the hustle and it's just done nurturing each other and supporting each other with this positive energy of hustle. Yeah, and, and I'd add to that, um, I, I, it's the, the openness part, um, whether it's feminine, feminine energy or it's um, uh, understanding that um, the, there is a power, an additive power in, um, in seeking out and working with other people. And then the other aspect of it is that um, not only are opportunities attached to other people, but other interesting people and other sort of sources of inspiration or energy or creativity or value are also attached to other people. And so this whole networking, the positive networking effect here, this we space, uh, Olivia, if you allow that, um, is that uh, it can begin online, 
but I think it has to and is better served manifesting in the real world. So I would say, you know, that the tool component of it is additive, but it's more additive in when you transition from the online into real world. And I'll give you a very quick example. Uh, I, uh, someone reached out to me on LinkedIn recently uh, and, and, uh, and asked for some advice and said, look, I'd love to meet you for coffee um, when you're back in the country. So I flew back into the country a few days ago and uh, we met up for coffee yesterday. And he told me, um, you know, I've been through a lot. This is the CEO, by the way, of the company. I've been through a lot uh, in terms of my own transformation. I'm still working through something that I really found inspiration in your story. And I, and I think you're a kindred spirit. And uh, I'd love to talk to you about um, some personal uh, challenges that I'm working through, but also some business challenges. And it, literally, it was one outreach from LinkedIn. It was, and then one meeting. And you, you never know the, the, the incredible people you're going to meet if you're open to that. So can it be a, a tool that empowers communities? Absolutely, no question. Can, can I can I ask one can I ask one thing though because you you used a term Jonas that is one of my little pet peeves about the real world and and I'd like to maybe call it the physical world because I think what we do online can be real. It's not always real. But when I think we start calling it the real world, when we get together in the physical space, it diminishes the opportunity that we have online to create real connections. Sure. I mean, there's, there's, there's not a pejorative, you know, that's just, that's my own sort of, um, my own frame. Oh, but no, no, no. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm just like, virtual. Sure. I, I just want to clarify because I think too many yeah. people hear that and think that what we do online isn't real. And, right. and that's, that's my, my whole thing is really trying to let people see the opportunities that you just shared, that those are real connections that are made online that maybe grow and nurture in a whole different way when you do it in the physical space. And, and I, can, I'm, I am fully with you on that. I mean, I've seen it so many times, but then there's plenty of people that I haven't met in person or in the physical world that I've still had amazing connections with that have just been on. And absolutely, yeah. it's 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 a, a very fair point, and uh, and so Online. you know the the frame of real versus virtual or physical versus uh, you know electronic. It's you're right. It's one world, right? And it's a question of how we engage, and hopefully create meaning and and contribute to each other. But I think there's something relevant here in that the the type of vulnerability that we're talking about, because that's essentially what we're talking about, is that in an age where everybody's having to, to strive and, and look after themselves, we're saying you've got to do that with, a, with a, a vulnerability attached to it. And that what we're saying is that therefore the quality of the experience will be better, the outcomes will be better, you will situate yourself as part of something bigger that will ultimately serve you, protect you, enable you in ways that if you don't have that, um, you know, you, you risk the burnout and the depression and the alienation. But the reality is those, that openness, I think, is very different online versus in person. I think it's one thing to do that, you know, to reach out to somebody and send them a LinkedIn invitation. It's, it's quite a bit harder sometimes, and, and maybe it's the opposite in other ways, to, to talk to your boss or your colleagues or a human sitting across the table from you and share or or be as open for some people that's really hard if they're if they're in a what it feels like a competitive environment to be the one to kind of create those vulnerable cracks in the system is quite challenging So I think that real life connections, and that's part of what I'm interested in too, is where the communities exist. And that's a kind of highfalutin word for where groups of people come together, be they entrepreneurs, freelancers, consultants, who own this space of, yeah, we're all making it up and we're all you know riding the waves of the highs and the lows and the difficulties of it. Do you guys, would love to kind of participate in in those types of communities do you do you know of examples of people who 
who are physically or virtually coming together um, to kind of support each other in their hustling journeys? So in the entrepreneurial, yeah, I mean, there are any array of communities, but I, I mean, I think, you know, the, it, it, let me just take the example of the entrepreneurial community, let's call it, and let's go even more specific or narrow, the health and wellness community, okay? So I co-founded a company that's based in Toronto, uh, Radical Wellness Inc., and we have a couple of signature sort of online events and a content library and, and so forth um, that all deal with um, uh, integrative uh, mental health. Uh, you know, solutions to root cause resolution of chronic challenges, whether it's emotional or depression or uh, addiction or whatever. Um, so we are a member of a much larger organization um, of health and wellness professionals and practitioners, um, uh, doctors and physicians and um, coaches and so forth that get together on a regular basis um, at an event led by uh, a very successful woman entrepreneur um, uh, called Mindshare. And that brings together roughly, I don't know, let's call it a thousand people every year and has um, events quarterly and so forth. And there are a number of communities like this, depending on what your space is. And I think the, the, the thing that I encourage people to do is to seek them out. Um, it, it doesn't mean uh, saving up all of your, um, <laughs> your energy for one event per year, you know, be it Burning Man or, or, or you know, mindfulness or something else but it's seeking out things that you can do locally. Another uh, group that I'm a part of is the Mankind Project. Um, and there are over a million people in, our, uh, in, in the US alone that are members of Mankind, I believe, um, which is a, a support group essentially for men, right? Um, but you know, look, there are, it, there are, there are countless um, groups and resources and you can find them generally online uh, that then migrate to the physical world for real events uh, on a regular basis and a frequent basis. So my recommendation is to seek them out and to talk to other people and ask them what, what communities they're active in, whether it's, you know, if it's a super successful uh, business person, generally you're going to be a YPO or an EO, um, or, you know, any other sort of um, community that they found success and support and use as a tool for their own growth. They're, they're definitely out there and, and are not very difficult to find if you ask the right questions. Okay. Tim, you wanted to share some ideas? Yeah, well, I just, I mean, the the first thing that popped into my head was a, a friend of mine and her husband, um, and she's started this Hiking My Feelings uh, community, and it's her and her husband have given up living in a home, live in their van, and travel the country, and she gives talks at local REIs. Um, she doesn't even get paid for it. She shares it through a Patreon community. And she invites people not only to join her online, but at the event she speaks at. And then almost every weekend, they host a group hike. And it's not anything where they're telling somebody how to be. It's just where they're sharing stories, letting their feelings out, letting them connect with nature in a way that lets them truly let out how they're feeling, what they're feeling. And it's just been an amazing thing to watch over the last couple months what she's been doing and how many lives she's been touching so definitely I think if you especially as a woman if you've ever had trauma in your life um, I think it's a great opportunity and a great community to be part of um, whether you're, you just do it online or meet her up when she's in your neighborhood um, and she probably will be over the course of the next year wonderful inspiring um, we're kind of reaching the end of our conversation. I wonder if you guys could perhaps each close. I mean, I'm thinking a little bit about sort of looking ahead is, and the future of hustle. Um, is this, is this the new normal? Um, you know, Jonas, you've got a new baby girl. I've got kids, we've got families, whatever. As we look forward, it, how do you see hustle culture evolving and how do we, uh, how do we prepare a generation to thrive in it and not suffer some of the, the ill effects that we've uh, suffered personally or, or seen occurring? So Olivia, maybe some closing thoughts on the evolving hustle cultural, culture and how we might prepare or adapt for it as we, as we continue to evolve. Well, again, thank you for hosting this. And I feel like the hustle, the opportunity for hustle is just going to keep magnifying, get uh, 
more and more it's going to be presented to us. So what I feel is it gives us these opportunities we talked about to partner with people and make it a positive difference through that. I also feel for me and perhaps others is that it's helping me at all times be a choice for what I'm doing so that I get much, I'm having to grow my self-awareness to be, to survive and be successful as hustle continues to grow and then learn tools and maybe from talks like this and with others to leverage it for the positive aspects of it and um, you know make it available as as we share our what we're doing in life um, to invite other people into the into the conversation about hustle and um, and building self-awareness through that that's wonderful gosh if it's if it's growing a if it's fueling increased global self-awareness that's that's really an exciting uh, take on it. Thank you for that. Uh, Tim, let me come to you. Yeah, I think for me, and, it, and it's just been, I mean, this is what I love about what we do here. It's, it's just bringing together different thoughts, different people and sharing. And imagine what could be possible when we start looking at what we can do together instead of what I can do by myself. And I think that's the opportunity that we all have. And that whole element of making sure that we're taking care of ourselves so that we can, in essence, help take care of others because we can inspire them to take care of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And that sense that, that you've described of it starting, starting from within me and then the opportunities that come when I'm fully connected to myself and able to then connect better with others, I think is really powerful. And Jonas, your closing thoughts on the future of Hustle? Sure. Um, look, the future is indeterminate. Uh, it's, um, it's hard to, to know where we're going. In fact, we don't know where we're going. We only know where we've been. And so I think it's important in addition to elevating consciousness and the sharing aspect, is to think, um, one, about um, that which we can become. You know, this, this idea of um, it's never too late to become <laughs> the person you want to become or to create the world that you want to create. And so it's, um, it's being willing to use hustle as a tool for personal inspiration, but also for community inspiration. And to say that, you know, I'm not willing to accept things as they are, but instead I want to uh, be an active change agent as, as an individual and also in, in the community that I build and foster and nurture to create a better world for everyone. Uh, and so that's not a naive thing. It takes a hell of a lot of energy to make that happen. Uh, but I would mm -hmm. challenge people to start thinking along those lines because they're going to grow their degree of satisfaction and the opportunities uh, attached to that which they create in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for that. And thank you, all of you. I mean, I think what I'm hearing is this uh, a kind of intentionality around it, which is what you've just described, you know, an intentionality of how I'm going to show up within what, who knows how this economy and this, you know, space is going to evolve, but I have a choice as to how I show up to it which starts with my own, as you've described, Olivia, deep self-awareness of you know that heart-led space that you talked about Jonas because that's that's where the courage comes from to to be open and connect with others and and I you know feel excited by some of the potential that you're all pointing to around this creating opportunities for more enlightened individuals and more creative communities that might emerge out of out of these kinds of uh, hustle economies so I want to thank you all for that. I think you've certainly um, sparked my thinking about the ways in which this might actually um, help fuel uh, enlightened self-development uh, as opposed to kind of force people into roles and, and positions that, that where they're a lesser version of themselves. So thank you for that. Um, You've all uh, been wonderful to talk to. And I want to just remind people that the next episode on this channel will be the first Tuesday of next month. And at the same time, you can continue this conversation 
in the discovery uh, community in Connectle, which is www.connectle.com. Um, it's a great conversation. It's relevant for each one of us, whether we're sitting in a corporate or working as a consultant, um, or just working, walking in this world where we're all sort of have the opportunity to continue to evolve and define ourselves. I think some of the inputs here have been very useful. So I want to thank you all and encourage us to continue the conversations within our own communities and within the Connectville community as well. So thanks a lot.